0: Welcome to Advocation Change It Up, a new podcast series hosted by Dr. Karen Liller, a professor at the USF College of Public Health and director of the Activist Lab.
1: Hello and welcome to Advocation Change It Up, the podcast series of the University of South Florida College of Public Health Activist Lab. I'm Dr. Karen Liller, a professor at the College of Public Health and director of the Activist Lab, and I'm joined by two of our student advisory board members, Nick Cropper and Caitlin Carr. So, how are you, Nick?
0: I'm great, Dr. Lowe. Thanks for having me.
1: Wonderful. How about you, Caitlin? I'm doing very well. Thank you. Thank you. So, the Activist Lab at the college prepares our students to be exemplary advocates and leaders in public health. And if you just Google us at USF College of Public Health Activist Lab, you'll see all the educational programs we do. We have boot camps, seminars. We do research on a variety of public health topics and advocacy and work to assure our students have practice experience in the community at the state and national levels. Our podcast involves talking with public health leaders and advocates whose work has led to great improvements in public health. We'll be talking in each podcast with a guest on a particular public health issue, and we end each podcast by asking how we as the community can advocate for change. This will be our fourth podcast in our environmental health and climate change series. We're so excited that we received a civic engagement microgrant from Research America to develop and publish this series. We hope to not only learn from the podcast experts, but also to develop an advocacy plan for the state and even beyond. But before we begin, I have to add, the views expressed reflect those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of the University of South Florida. So without further ado, let me introduce our esteemed guest today, and that is Representative Kathy Castor from U.S. Congress. She's a longtime friend of the college, a public health advocate, and I would like to add the most recent recipient of our Activist Lab Advocacy Champion Award. But before we bring on Representative Castor, I would like to read some information from her bio, especially that information that focuses on her environmental work. Kathy Castor is Tampa Bay's voice in U.S. Congress. She was elected in 2006 and represents Florida's 14th Congressional District that includes Tampa and parts of Hillsborough County. She is the first woman to represent Hillsborough and Pinellas Counties in the U.S. Congress. She focuses on issues vital to Tampa Bay area families and businesses, and she's committed to building a stronger economy that works for everyone as a member of the Energy and Commerce Committee and also chair of the Select Committee on the Climate Crisis that we'll talk more about in a few minutes. She works on initiatives to create jobs, protect the environment and consumers, improve our schools, ensure veterans receive the benefits and care they've earned, provide access to affordable health care, and defend protections for people with pre-existing health conditions. She has a long-established track record of fighting for all that makes Florida so special. She started her professional legal career with the Florida Department of Community Affairs, working to enforce environmental and growth management laws that protect our wetlands, Florida's coastline, endangered species, and sensitive lands. In private practice, she continued her commitment to the Florida's environment as a land use environmental attorney representing local governments. And as a Hillsborough County Commissioner, she served as chair of the Hillsborough County Environmental Protection Commission, and we've had those folks on. And you know they are charged with protecting our air, water, wetlands, and lands of our large and diverse county. But in June 2020, led by Chair Castor, Democratic members of the House Select Committee on the Climate Crisis unveiled a great plan called Solving the Climate Crisis, the Congressional Action Plan for a Clean Energy Economy and a Healthy, Resilient and Just America. The plan is great. You can find it on our website. And it talks about growing our economy, putting Americans back to work in clean energy jobs, protecting the health of all families, making sure our communities and farmers can withstand the impacts of climate change, and protecting America's land and waters for the next generation. So I could just go on and on about Representative Castor's bio, but we want to get to the podcast. So hello, Representative Castor. Hi, Dr. Liller. I'm thrilled to be with you and Nick and Caitlin today. Thanks so much for inviting me. Absolutely. I'd like to start off by asking you to tell us a little bit more about your role or roles with environmental health issues that affect us here at home in Florida, but also throughout the US and world. And I have to tell you, we're just so proud of all you've done for us and most notably the issuance of that large report. Uh, about the climate crisis, Um, everything from looking for 100% clean net zero emissions, not later than 2050, limiting warming to 1.5 degrees centigrade, and more. So if you could just tell us a little bit more about the plan and your role, that would be great.
2: Well, thanks. Well, I I believe that clean air and clean water and a healthy environment are fundamental uh, in all of our lives, and that everyone deserves equal access to high quality, affordable health care and environmental health and your personal health um, really are, are directly connected. And over the past uh, decade, uh, what we've seen is that with additional carbon pollution in the atmosphere, the earth has, is heating up and it is exacting a very serious toll on our personal health, the health of our communities. And it's also foisting enormous costs on each of us and on uh, our way of life. So, um, you know, I'm a native Floridian. Mm -hmm. I love representing the the Tampa Bay area. But I've noticed uh, very serious changes over time. More uh, intense hurricanes and tropical storms, Mm -hmm. uh, rainfall events, Just last year, Tampa hit an all time high record of 99 degrees. And when you add in the humidity Uh uh, here in the Tampa Bay area, it's just, uh, it's hard to, it makes it hard to breathe. Mm -hmm. Think about folks who work outside. Mm -hmm. So um, it's nice to be a member of Congress because you can do something about these problems. Right. And uh, I serve on the, health subcommittee of the energy and commerce committee. We have oversight of uh, CDC, FDA, HHS, Mm -hmm. all of that alphabet soup. Um, And then uh, the committee also has oversight of the environmental protection agency. But the speaker asked me to lead a new select committee on the climate crisis to develop an overarching plan uh, to reduce carbon pollution and and, uh provide some tools to state local communities to become more resilient to the the impacts and costs of the climate crisis um mm-hmm. it, it was an enormous task um, <laughs> I, but after, i would imagine <laughs> after, yes after a a year of outreach to scientists to entrepreneurs to uh, public health experts like you farmers the faith community young Mm -hmm. activists, we put together a plan called Solving the Climate Crisis, the Congressional Action Plan for a Clean Energy Economy and a Healthy, Resilient and Just America. It's an over 500 plus page uh, action plan for the Congress. Mm -hmm. And it has been described as the most detailed and well thought out plan that's ever been part of American politics addressing climate change. So it now is informing uh, climate actions, the transition to clean energy, uh, environmental justice policies, fair labor standards for workers, everything we're doing in the Congress right now to uh, to, to tackle this existential crisis. It's informing uh, President Biden's plan, mm-hmm. the American Jobs Plan. Mm-hmm. If you look at uh, what they have rolled out, it is quite in sync with our recommendations. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, it's we better get going now we're running out right. of time right. not, it is we really need urgent action
1: yes yeah, so I've, I've one more short question I'm going to ask the students to jump in here um, based on your advocacy and work with the plan uh, and on environmental health issues what do you see from all of that work as some of the greatest environmental health issues we're facing and I'm always curious to know are these new issues or are they just getting worse are some getting better? So, do you have any that are a particular focus?
2: Yeah, I mean, the climate crisis is a public health threat multiplier. Right. So, all of the weaknesses in the the air we breathe, the water we drink, uh, the the communities we live in, the, the, all of those weaknesses are exacerbated by hotter temperatures, mm-hmm. in, intensifying heat waves, degrading air quality. Increasing, it increases the risk of infectious disease
3: mm-hmm.
2: and exposes people to more intense disasters that harm their physical, mental, and social health. Right. And the frontline communities uh, that are disproportionately exposed to climate-related health impacts face compounding challenges of insufficient access to health care mm-hmm. safe and sanitary housing and nutrition. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah. COVID-19, don't you think, has really shined a light on oh, a lot of those weaknesses. On the weaknesses so many issues. supply chain.
1: Right. In public so, health. And the
2: climate, yeah, and climate is the same. Yes. So,
1: Nick, do you have a question for Representative Castor?
0: Yeah, Representative Castor, thank you for joining us. Um, your committee's report recognizes the role of climate change in the spread of infectious diseases like COVID-19 and how environmental health is intimately linked with, the he- with human health. Um, can you tell us more about what specifically you and your committees are doing to follow up on this finding and ensure that public health domestically and internationally is prepared for future climate-exacerbated catastrophes like COVID nineteen?
2: Yeah, thanks, Nick. And uh, I understand that that you are uh, a student of infectious diseases and disaster management, and unfortunately, that's going to be <laughs> um, that's going to be a skill set that we're going to need as the planet warms. And what I learned, uh, listening for, uh, listening to scientists, um, over the past years is that a lot of the infectious diseases will spread at a greater rate, uh, due to warmer temperatures. You know, just before COVID-19 hit, we were dealing with Zika, uh, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. came out of uh, the tropics and affected uh, women and their babies, and it was a real surprise that that was, um, could be sexually transmitted and was affecting the health of uh, young babies. Fortunately, you know, investments in public health and, and uh, that kind of scientific expertise allowed us to contain Zika, and um, what we're what we've seen with COVID is that the weakening of the public health infrastructure in this country and across the world uh, left us open to a higher mortality rate I mean can you believe we've lost mm-hmm. over half a million people yeah. in America to to COVID-19 and a large part of that is because we didn't have the mm-hmm. contact tracers we didn't have the That's testing right. regimes we didn't have the the supply chains in America, just basic things like masks and Mm clothes. So when we're talking about climate, what we're recommending is strengthening uh, the supply chain, increasing planning and preparedness of hospitals and health infrastructure, uh, strengthening resilience of our hospitals, housing, uh, the veterans system, and also uh, putting more resources into the mental health implications mm-hmm. uh, that are, that climate change and other infectious diseases are going to uh, multiply. It, it's kind of an all-hands-on-deck approach, right. and the, the United States of America has always been the global leader when it comes to public health and uh but that has been shaken over the past years uh, with COVID. That again, you know, the last president took us out of the World Health Organization, took right. us out of those those partnerships that are so important to be able to prevent mm-hmm. the spread of disease, and then to work in a cooperative fashion to to address it once a pandemic hits.
0: Yeah. Thanks, Representative Caster. Appreciate that.
1: Thanks. And I just wanted to say, talking about COVID and deaths, I just read the other day that COVID now is the third leading cause of death. And you know, my research is in injuries, and that was usually occupied by injuries. Um, but now COVID has moved up to that, yeah, third leading cause of death. So Caitlin, question for Representative Castor.
4: Sure. Thank you so much. And thank you, Representative Castor, again, for being here with us today. Um, my question, I'm, I'm curious, as a member of Congress, how you prioritize the issues that you're working with? Because, of course, you'd love to save the world and, you know, work on everything all at once. But how how do you prioritize, um, with regard to environmental issues, what you're focusing on at a given time? Caitlin, that is a great question, because there
2: are so many challenges out there right now, from protecting voting rights to the gun violence epidemic that Dr. Liller works works to prevent the um, immigration issues. So, you, as a member of Congress, you 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 do have to prioritize and focus, and your work largely is informed by the, your committee assignments. So, the the beauty of the Energy and Commerce Committee is that it has the broadest jurisdiction in the Congress. So, it's everything healthcare as I said before, from the National Institutes of Health, Medical Research, to CDC and Public Health, to the FDA, to the Affordable Care Act, Medicare and Medicaid. And then it has oversight of EPA. And then we also have oversight of of tech issues. So last week, uh, I questioned Mark Zuckerberg from Facebook Mm -hmm. directly Mm -hmm. and Jack Dorsey from Twitter. So it, you have to have an excellent staff. <laughs> you have to uh, rely on experts like you all. And I'm very fortunate to have one of the leading uh, research universities in the country in my district, in the University of South Florida, and one of the best colleges of public health. They are my partners in Thank policy. And, um, and then the climate crisis, that's an additional assignment. And fortunately, I have an outstanding professional staff of, of scientists and and folks who are steeped in policy who help me plan hearings. Um, the other committee members play a, a critical role in helping to craft the direction of, of policy. And a lot of our job there is to, to shine the light on what is happening, inform the public. For example, um during the during the time we were formulating our uh, solving the climate crisis report, we had uh, Greta Thunberg. If you remember, yes. she took she oh, yeah. sailed across the Atlantic uh, to get to the United States of America to advocate for mm-hmm. climate action. And um, it was we wanted to give voice to the youth movement who many don't don't have the opportunity to vote, but understand that their future is at risk because of the warming planet. So we, um, you have the ability to to amplify those voices. And that does help inform policy and it pushes policymakers that all too often aren't acting with that sense of urgency.
4: Thank you so much. And just to be piggyback off of my prior question, you kind of started getting into it a little bit, but how do you ensure, because you're obviously operating at a very um, upper level position, how do you ensure that you're incorporating local community members' voices and concerns into your plans and actions? You have to be a good listener. You have to stay grounded
2: with. Uh, in your own community even though i I chair a a national committee on climate change it's really the folks here in the tampa bay area in the state of florida that that motivate me and inform my work and uh for example when they're talking about clean energy and and the climate crisis oftentimes they 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 talk about okay wildfires and they they don't understand as much the cost that people are paying right now, increasing property insurance rates, uh, flood insurance rates, hotter temperatures. I try to explain to my folk my friends up north they'll have heat waves, but I try to explain how incredibly hot it is. <laughs> here, uh-huh. uh, during the summer months and it's getting hotter right. and what that means to people who have to work outside and, um, farm, you know, farmers here in the state of Florida now are pretty galvanized in the need for reducing carbon pollution and finding some, some answers. So it you have to be a, uh, quite a good listener and, um, and then take that, take their input and be their voice in Washington, D.C. when it
4: comes to policy. Wonderful, thank you so much.
2: So uh, Representative
1: Castor, we've discussed a good bit now about the environmental issues you're concerned about related to climate change, but let me just ask you, how confident are you that Congress is going to take some of these up or address these? And I know we have to look at this federally as we're doing, but you know, public health is very much at the state level. And also though, we really have to act locally right? So mm-hmm. how, what are your feelings on that? How confident are you that this is going to move forward? And, but still, what can we do locally to help make sure it does or to be your partner?
2: Oh, that's a great question, Dr. Lowler. I'm, I'm more hopeful than ever that we're going to see major uh, investments in clean energy yeah. jobs and greater resilience uh, all across America. The President Biden now just this week, announced his American Jobs Plan, Mm -hmm. and what is central to it is investing in uh, clean air, clean water, clean Mm -hmm. energy, Mm -hmm. for example, a major investment in shoring up our drinking water and wastewater system. You know, it's not a really, it's not a, it's not a sexy issue, Mm -hmm. Um, but it's (laughs) awfully important think about when we have these massive rain events here that that we often have during the summer or with a tropical storm, Mm -hmm. the city of St. Petersburg, the city of Tampa, have these sewage Mm -hmm. uh, overflows into Tampa Bay. Mm -hmm. So we've got to expand that infrastructure to prevent that from happening because our economy is largely tied to clean air and clean water. And tourism. Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm pretty confident that the because a major infrastructure bill is long overdue Mm -hmm. that we're going to hammer out a jobs and infrastructure package here in the probably by summertime. Mm -hmm. What gives me great concern and and where I think everyone can help is looking at the state level. Mm -hmm. I think policymakers in Tallahassee are particularly disconnected from reality. Yeah they're not focusing on the issues that that truly matter to people for example i've had a front row seat seat to watch other states set goals for clean energy production and
3: mm-hmm. and
2: greater energy efficiency that right. helps put money back in to consumers pockets and save businesses money the state of florida is nowhere on clean energy yeah, we i know they call us the sun, sunshine state right mm-hmm. We produce practically zero. Well, it might be 1% or 2% of our electricity from solar power Mm -hmm. and renewable energies. And the electric utilities in Florida that are probably the the most powerful lobby, Mm -hmm. they Mm -hmm. have even proposed to roll back our energy efficiency goals that are very modest indeed. So that puts us way behind. Here we are at a state. Most vulnerable to climate impacts, mm-hmm. hurricanes, flooding events, mm-hmm. heat, um, very costly impacts to our pocketbooks, and yet they aren't doing anything on right. clean energy. In fact, this legislative session, they even proposed a bill that would prevent local communities mm-hmm. like the city of Tampa, or Hillsborough, yes. others from setting their own clean energy goals and climate plans. So that just puts us further behind. So our local communities are doing, they're really uh, moving forward on mm-hmm. resilience and and clean energy planning. Mm-hmm. But the state of Florida, I think yeah. if we were going to target uh, action from the activist lab, that's where I would point our state
4: legislature mm-hmm. and uh, the governor and cabinet. Nick or Caitlin, do you have any other questions on this topic? Sure. I have one more question. Um, what what do you say to someone who says that they don't believe in climate change? <laughs> well, even how do you? I'm mm-hmm. sorry. Maybe to rephrase the question, how do you work, um, inform, and in, with compromising with those maybe your colleagues who have different opinions than you? You try to talk with them about the the scientific consensus, mm-hmm. the fact
2: that you know don't listen to, you know, someone on the uh, maybe on the other side of the dais from you in a debate, but look at what the business community Mm -hmm. is saying. A lot of the electric utilities outside of the state of Florida have set uh, very ambitious clean energy goals. A lot of those Mm -hmm. uh, energy companies are transitioning to become clean energy companies. The automakers that employ about 1 million workers in America right now they've announced they're going all electric mm-hmm. for their, for the cars we drive, the trucks we drive. Um, and why? Because they see it as a competitiveness issue
3: mm-hmm.
2: uh, globally, with China especially. And uh, I think everyone sees it as a cost-saving issue down the road. Um, so to, I think you're reasoning with folks on their pocketbooks.
3: Mm-hmm. We
2: know, like, like I said, people are paying more because it's hotter. And um, they're, they're paying more, again, on their property insurance, their electric bills. You're having to run your air conditioning longer God. all year long. Um, the food we eat will become more expensive because because crops will fail and livestock will suffer. So I think it's getting getting into that. And, and don't you think of this competitiveness issue uh, and job, good-paying jobs is is another way. To do it because we are in a global race on technology and uh, electric vehicles, that's one example, but semiconductors, the batteries that we'll need to run the vehicles, the mm-hmm. storage, the next generation of nuclear uh, energy, all of these are, are very competitive globally. And the U.S. has always been the world leader and we should keep it that way.
1: Yes, ma'am.
2: Thank you.
0: Nick? And Representative Caster, one last question for you. Um, your committee's report and hearings uh, discuss a lot about how we underestimate the social cost of carbon. Can you elaborate on what the social cost of carbon is and how significant that cost is?
2: Yeah, a great example is what we've been talking about here here in Florida, where the electric utilities uh, haven't moved to clean energy; they continue to rely, rely on fossil fuels. Coal, you know, if you look out at Tampa Bay. Across the bay, you'll see the smokestacks from the Tampa Electric right. coal fire mm-hmm. power plant. And, but most of our energy right now comes from frack gas. Uh, those have very expensive externalities. Start with how they are extracted, mined, uh, or drilled. Those have uh, very significant. Uh, pollution impacts in those communities then the carbon dioxide that they produce uh, that has a very <laughs> intense externality in warming of the planet as you warm the planet the uh, food we we buy becomes more expensive because you have to now some places will they may benefit because it will be a little warmer and food will grow but overall what we're seeing right are catastrophic impacts to our food systems over time if we don't act. Then they just say everyday externalities again, your, the bills you're paying as your insurance rates go up, your AC bills go up, uh, that yeah. uh, that takes money out of your pocket, puts it into the, the polluters' pockets, and we can do better. The, the thing is that we know now clean energy is uh, abundant but we're going to we need the investments to build the modern electric grid in America and make yes. sure that mm-hmm. um, those clean energy resources really are provided equitably you know it costs a little bit right now to put solar panels on your house some people cannot afford right, that and right. the utilities make that very hard to do um so there are there are all sorts of externalities mm-hmm. but so that's the social cost of carbon that's not really being uh, incorporated into into policy right now.
1: Great, thank you. Well, Representative Castor, you know, if you could uh, wave a magic wand, we ask this of all of our guests, and have your way. If we were developing a Florida public health environmental advocacy plan, what components do you think you would definitely include, or what would be the leading components? And would it look very similar to the national plan or is there anything in the advocacy plan that actually we are going to put together for research america that we should highlight
2: great question dr lillard yes as i said before florida is behind when it comes to clean energy Mm -hmm. and based on everything i know jobs in solar would be would grow exponentially here uh, if we were to deploy that. That would put money back into people's pockets. Mm -hmm. If we could build a more resilient electric grid, think about after a hurricane moves through and you lose power because transmission lines are down, we should be looking at microgrids, community microgrids where they can come back online faster. We need to tap the best research on battery storage Mm
3: -hmm. so that
2: it becomes a more reliable baseload power over time mm-hmm. we need to plan ahead for uh, the charging stations for electric vehicles right uh, and we we need to address the uh, pollution problem that where you see toxic algal blooms right. uh, red mm-hmm. tide that is causing significant damage uh, in our waterways and a lot of that is Climate-driven hotter temperatures combined with the chemicals mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. from from ag producers and other polluters. We we have to enforce the environmental laws on the books. That's mm-hmm. not revolutionary, right? Um, to, but Quite to important. protect the environment, yeah. yeah, but yeah. To protect the environmental health over time, I think taking a more proactive position on um, on those envir- very important environmental health yeah. uh, laws. Because remember our economy is based on tourism, clean air, and clean water. And this is such a wonderful and special place. We need to work to keep it that
1: way. Yeah, you know, one of the things our guests have always talked about, and you mentioned it as well, and that's equity. Equity in all of these solutions, right? Because there are many Mm -hmm. things we can do, but it has to be fair. People have to be able to afford the products. And and like you said, a lot of people have talked about incentives, and I know your plan also goes into that. Um, It also talks about, which I really like being an educator, is training the next generation of scientists. And also folks have talked about that, how important it's going to be that we have people there who are informed about the topic. And, and I'm always encouraging people in the activist library, just students in general, and especially those in public health to run for office, because they have the background, they have the knowledge, and I I think they would be great, uh, in those positions. And, uh, I
2: agree. Yeah, I agree. The, um, this generation i think they are smarter and more mm-hmm. devoted to solutions than than folks when i was growing up really mm-hmm. and we know the public health workforce has to be strengthened right uh, we boy, covid has shined a light on that mm-hmm. but just the scientific know-how uh, also has to be strengthened for america and this is a terrific time as the biden administration begins to rebuild the, the governmental side mm-hmm. of science in our national laboratories yes. and in our research universities and throughout the government. So in our Solving the Climate Crisis report, we do uh, recommend that we sustain support for the, 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 the very important climate science, the mm-hmm. Intergovernmental Panel on mm-hmm. Climate Change and the U.S. Global Change Research Program uh, so that they are informing us of the various climate scenarios. We say strengthen climate science through robust federal funding, mm-hmm. support for research, mm-hmm. observations, monitoring, modeling, uh, invest in, in STEM education, uh, yes. start early, start early in K through 12, our better our colleges, universities, and the workforce. And uh, then there's a lot of, there's, a, a lot of going on now in the White House and the mm-hmm. agencies and these are incredible opportunities for for students at the University of South Florida, the state of Florida and the entire country. Yeah,
1: you know, I'd I'd like to turn it back to our students just as we we wrap up soon. Um, You know, Nick and Caitlin, they're a little bit younger than at least me. Uh, So um, I'd like to get their uh, feelings on this. You know, uh, Representative Castor, young individuals have been the drivers, as you know, of so much public health advocacy and change recently. If we just look at racism, uh, especially structural racism and gun violence. But I'm gonna ask each of the students now, what do you think about environmental health? Like representative Castor said, it's not sexy always or it's not something that maybe's on your mind. But what is the pulse do you think of the students in this regard? Because we need you. We need your advocacy, we need your voice. so
0: so either one, Nick, you want to start? Yeah, so climate and the environment are issues that I have definitely seen my peers really motivated to solve. In fact, I think it's one of the things that my peers are most motivated to solve. Um, We know how much the health of the environment will impact us in the long term, and it's an issue we've felt has gone unaddressed for too long. Um, I'm personally thankful that I'm represented by somebody who takes environmental health seriously, but Mm -hmm. there's still a lot of work to do representing Uh, electing people like you, Representative Castor, uh, all across the country in places Mm -hmm. where climate impacts will really devastate communities. Yeah, that's good to know. Yeah, and
4: I know younger generations are fearful because they are going to be the ones who are here, and their children and (laughs) grandchildren will be the ones who are here. The
1: legacy, what are we leaving? Yeah, we're just taking,
4: taking, and taking from the planet, and it's, it's just not sustainable. So thank you, yeah, for all of your work, Representative Castor. Um, and if it's okay, sure, I just ahead. have one other question for you. Um, for those interested in holding or running for local government, do you have any advice for getting there? Yeah, that's a good question. And I'm so grateful that, that you all are motivated. And I hear you, and I hear it uh,
2: across the board from from young people uh, all across America. They know that, that time is running out, our task is urgent, mm-hmm. and it is entirely frustrating to... To watch um, kind of the inertia, the inaction in Tallahassee and our state capital, and in Washington D.C., but have hope because we are making <laughs> we are making progress. We have a plan. Uh, we the stars appear to be aligned, but that's not going to we're not going to solve everything. We are going to need you to run for office and to go into careers in public service. So my advice is. Uh, Use your expertise. Become an expert in something. Become an advocate, uh, whether it's in your neighborhood on a, a health issue, on something, and build, begin to build a coalition. Uh, whether that's your homeowners association, or student groups, or uh, uh, you know the League of Women Voters, or environment your environmental organizations locally, build those. We're coming out of COVID now. We'll be able to be together more directly. That's important. Um, And then um, be sure you understand what what the Hillsborough County Commission does, Mm -hmm. the Tampa City Council. Mm -hmm. Those are wonderful places to start. Our state legislature really needs help. Getting involved in a campaign for a candidate that shares your values. uh, is also very important, and it's terrific experience for when you launch your own campaign. But ha- you need to have a, a focus, um, right? An, an issue that drives you that that you're passionate about. Mm-hmm. And I hope you'll do it. And if you need help, I'm here.
1: Oh, well, thank
0: you. That's wonderful.
2: Nick or Caitlin, anything else for Representative Caster?
0: No, thank you very much for joining us, Representative Castor. This has been fantastic.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Representative Castor. On behalf of the USF College of Public Health Activist Lab, our wonderful guest, Representative Kathy Castor, and our student co-hosts, Nick and Caitlin, we thank you all for joining us. And hey, keep listening. We have new segments coming soon for our Environmental Health Series. And as always, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love your feedback. Email us at cophactivistlab at usf.edu. So until next time, this is Dr. Karen Liller. Remember, find your voice. Let's change it up for the keep listening and join advocation change it up tell your friends and family we're on all media apple spotify and more so thank you again and hey when it's safe to be out and about come see us in the activist lab